Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Pleasure and uh, an honour for me to be uh, sharing with you so many of you at our Good Friday service. Many years ago, as a young lad, uh, I had a dream one night that um, I still remember with great clarity. And in the dream, I rode my bike to school, and um, it was primary school. When I got there, I parked my bike in one of the bike racks and uh, began to walk across the yard. Uh, everything seemed quite normal in the dream. And then I noticed in the dream, this dream, that uh, other kids at that point were pointing and laughing at me. And it was then that I realised to my horror that I wasn't wearing any pants. (laughs) Ever had a dream like that? I'd somehow forgotten forgotten to put on even a shred of clothing below the waist. And surprisingly... Even on my bike ride, (laughs) on a cold Adelaide morning, that alarming reality had somehow escaped my notice. And uh, you may laugh, but there was a terrible dream and no doubt pointed to some uh, deep-seated insecurity in my life (laughs) at that time. And let me tell you, every day since then, I try and make sure that I wear pants. (laughs) Even this morning, getting ready for the service, I thought... Oh, pants. Well, as imperfect fallen human beings, it goes with the territory that we all have insecurities to deal with. Our insecurity is a consequence of our sin and goes right back to the Garden of Eden, a story I'm sure you're familiar with in Genesis chapter 3. Here we have a picture where Adam and Eve are... um, Decidedly Caucasian, but uh, look, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> In the Genesis account, you know, the Creator God, if you know the story, the Creator God uh, comes to be with Adam and Eve in the garden only to discover that they are hiding. Where are you? The Lord asks. And Adam replies, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. And you know, people have been hiding from God and from one another ever since. People have been struggling with their own uh, personal insecurities ever since. And to combat those insecurities, you know, we, we relentlessly pursue certain things that we think will make us feel more secure. Typically, there are three such things, let me suggest to you. And number one, we pursue advantage. If only I can be better. If only I can be better than those around me. A better house, uh, a better car, a better standard of living. Then, then I'll feel secure somehow in myself. Number two, we pursue stability. If only I can have enough, whatever that is. Enough superannuation, enough money in the bank, enough uh, investments and assets, well then, then maybe when I've got enough, I'll feel secure actually in myself. 
Or number three, we pursue pleasure. If only I can feel good, even just for a brief moment. You know, the stresses of life get me down. But if only I could get that next thing, that, that boat, that next overseas holiday, that next purchase, that next drink, that next level of sexual pleasure, then the endorphins will kick in and mask my pain, my insecurity, and I'll feel, feel secure in myself even just for a moment, a momentary high to sustain me through the pain and the struggle of life. Maybe you can relate to one or all of those pursuits, advantage, stability, Pleasure, uh, they're probably the big things that uh, we pursue to counter our insecurity. And yet with an emerging generation, let me suggest there's a fourth contender, and that is popularity. In a recent study, children aged 11 to 16 were asked what they wanted to be in the future. At 18%, doctor was the number one answer, closely followed by social media, media influencer. Fascinating. 17%, and YouTuber at 14%. What do you want to be when you grow up? A, a YouTuber. Brilliant. <laughs> and why not? Nine-year-old Ryan Kaji from Texas last year earned $29.5 million as a YouTube influencer. Nine years old. His most popular video, you can look it up, has more than two billion views. Two billion and one. I, I watched it the other day. <laughs> I don't get it, to be honest. I wasn't influenced. <laughs> but now more than ever, children and young people around the world are addicted to the allure of fame and popularity triggered by the false promises of social media. If only I could get enough followers, well, then I would be famous. Then I would be popular. Then I would feel secure. But like the other pursuits of advantage, financial stability and of pleasure, the pursuit of fame and popularity is a mirage. They all are, actually. It's like this picture of uh, water in the desert. You know, you can chase after that water in the desert for as long as you like, but it's not real. It's not real. It will continue to appear on the horizon, but it's not really there, that water. And so it will never really satisfy, it will never quench the desperate thirst of your soul. The message of Easter, the message of the gospel flies in the face of all of that. The message of Good Friday cuts across all the false promises of our popular culture and, and of our contemporary thinking. Listen to what Jesus says in John 12 where he reveals what re really is the great secret of a fulfilled life. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Well, Jesus' listeners later understood that when he spoke about the grain of wheat, he was speaking about himself. In essence, he was saying, I am that grain of wheat. 
I am the grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. My, in fact, my purpose, my mission in life is to fall to the ground and die. The goal of fruitfulness is only achieved through death. Just a few verses later, he says, perhaps a little mysteriously, speaking about his crucifixion. And when I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Over the last 2,000 years, we've seen that very thing as literally billions of people down through the ages have responded in faith to the message of the cross and have become a part of that wheat harvest, of that single grain of wheat falling to the ground that Jesus spoke of. That's the first truth, that Jesus himself is the grain of wheat, which on that first Good Friday fell to the ground and died. The second truth is the application of that for us today. And Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be a follower of mine, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Well, everyone under first century Roman rule knew the implication of taking up a cross. For them, a cross wasn't a piece of jewellery or a trendy tattoo. For them, it was a one-way ticket to a horrific death sentence. You know, you only took up a cross if you'd been given a crucifixion sentence. No one takes up a cross voluntarily. No one, that is, except Jesus and those who, by faith, choose to follow him. See, the invitation that flows from the cross is an invitation to die. It's an invitation to be free from striving after those things that ultimately will not deliver the security they promise. It's an invitation to actively and intentionally put to death the pursuit of the mirages of advantage and stability and pleasure and popularity, to die to a love for and a focus on this life alone and instead to embrace a different way, a way that delivers on its promises for all eternity. It's an invitation to eternal life in all its fullness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, the cross is not a terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a person, he bids them come and die. It's a surprising invitation. Well, surprising that anyone would respond to such an invitation. See, death is a frightening thing for many people. But Jesus died a horrific death in order that by faith we might be spared the horror and the finality of that death. Last Friday morning, actually at this very time, I sat at the hospital bedside of an elderly friend of mine who knew his time was not far away. Interestingly, I discovered that he'd battled with the fear of death for a good part of his life. And as we shared together some very precious moments, 
he held my hand very tightly with both of his hands. And at one point he said, Nick, don't let go. I said, Tom, the Lord will never let go of you for all eternity. This is not the end for you. This is just the beginning. Do you believe that, Tom? He said, yes, I do. I said, do you have peace in your heart about what's to come? He said, yes, I do. And his tight grip on my hand just relaxed a little. And we prayed together. It was actually a beautiful moment. See, Tom had discovered the truth that eternal security, and this is so important, eternal security comes only from an understanding in the depths of your being that the eternal God loves you and will never let go of you for all eternity. Tom passed away on Wednesday night. Secure for all eternity. So as we come to communion, let me ask you, is it well with your soul? What are you chasing in life? What mirages are you pursuing? What insecurities are you battling? And if you are this morning, if you're just tired, tired of striving after things that don't ultimately deliver or even matter, maybe today is the day for you to respond to the Lord's invitation and come and die. Die to those things that will not deliver and do not matter. Good Friday. Maybe this is your day to become that grain of wheat, to die and discover that Christ is your hope in death. You know, uh, yesterday afternoon I was driving and I heard a guy on the radio, it was a secular radio, and uh, I heard him say, you know, we live in this beautiful country with so much, and yet compared to the rest of the world, Australians are more lonely, more anxious, and more medicated than just about anybody else in the world. I thought, wow, we've lost our way. We're missing something as a nation. Let me say, God has more for you than the endless pursuit of a mirage. Hopefully you received one of those little communion packs as you came in if you... Uh, did not, and you would like one, just please uh, raise your hand and one of the uh, ushers will be glad to provide one for you. If you're not really interested in Jesus' invitation, let me encourage you not to participate in this time. Uh, We're just really glad that you're here, but if you are interested in pursuing Jesus' invitation to come and die, this is a great first step. They're annoying, those little packets. If you've never used one before, it'll drive you mad. It's, there are some instructions up there. These are, this is a COVID thing for us. We, don't, we didn't used to do this. But it is what it is.
But even in a strangely packaged form, let me remind you, these elements are significant. They're important. And the bread reminds us that Jesus' body was given, it was broken for us. And the cup reminds us that his blood was shed for us, all of us, for you. His blood was shed for you, for your sin, for your struggles, for your pain, for your insecurity, that you might be free from those things. So let me encourage you to eat as you would like to. And uh, in a moment, let's, uh, I'll just suggest we drink together. But let me just pray as we come to this time. Lord God, we thank you that you understand. You understand what we go through. You understand the struggles of our lives. You understand even those uh, meaningless things that we we chase after. Because there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts that can only be filled by you, and yet we just do all we can to cram all sorts of other things into that hole, thinking that they will satisfy, and yet ultimately we discover they will not. And so, Lord, as we partake this morning this Good Friday of the bread which reminds us of your body which was broken, given for us, as we take the cup which reminds us of your blood that was shed for us, as you willingly went to the cross, as Graham reminded us, your life was not taken from you, you gave it up with us in mind. Lord, teach us more about these things and draw near to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, uh, let's drink together in remembrance of him. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.